Rice Tex and Wheat Tex, the bite sized cereals in the red and white checkerboard packages, present Space Patrol! <laughs> High adventure in the wild, vast reaches of space. Missions of daring in the name of interplanetary justice. Travel into the future with Buzz Corey, Commander in Chief of the Space Patrol! <laughs> In today's transcribed Space Patrol adventure, Buzz and Happy are approaching a hideout near the Saturn City spaceport where two criminals are plotting a getaway. Ray guns in hand, the Space Patrollers burst through the door. All right, both of you, get your hands up. Hold it, Ferris. You heard the commander. Move away from that table, Kent. Move fast. Sure. Now, Corey, this is a blaster. Drop that ray gun. Don't be a fool, Kent. You're through. You haven't got a chance. You fire, so will I. And remember, a blaster is permanent. We'll return in just a moment with today's exciting space patrol adventure, The Counterfeit Atoms. Hey, space patrol, it's getting kind of late, and I'm getting kind of hungry. Hey, let's take time out for a big bowl full of rice checks. Well, Captain Tito, rice checks. Tops with me. Tops with me, too, space patroller, and it'll be tops with you, gang. Tops three ways. For taste, for size, for get up and go. There's one. And there's one for me. Space Patrollers, when you fill up your old bowls with those neat, triple toasted shredded rice biscuits, you're getting one spoonful after another of the easiest, tastiest, bite-sized eating ever. Because rice checks are tops for taste and size. Tops for get-up-and-go, too. Why, mornings after you finish off a good, nourishing breakfast with rice checks, you're ready to swing into action. If you like whole wheat, try Wheat Checks. It's top two. Yes, look for Rice Checks and Wheat Checks in the red and white checkerboard packages with the picture of Commander Corey or Cadet Happy on the outside. Rice Checks. Wheat Checks. And now today's Space Patrol adventure, the counterfeit atom. All over the solar system, dealers and collectors of precious stones are alarmed over the mysterious disappearance of several valuable gems. Losses have been reported by jewelers and private collectors on Earth, Mercury, and Mars. The latest victim is the Terra Gem Company. Local agents are completely baffled, so Commander Corey has personally taken over the investigation. With Cadet Happy, Buzz is in the vault of the Terra Gem Company, questioning the manager, Doran Chandre. You're absolutely positive, Mr. Chandre, that those two diamonds are the only... But I almost wish to see between that half the world and left those two stones. Find value is more than a mean set. You uh, used the word too. But couldn't the diamonds have been mislaid instead of stolen? No, no. I placed them in the vault myself last night. Yeah, but there's no sign that the vault was broken into. And you told us that you were here this morning when the time lock opened it. Yes, I know. Well, the custom is to do after handling costly gems. We don't mislay stones of that value. Oh, who besides yourself has handled those gems? Several persons. All of complete respectability, you may be sure. And always within my presence. And except when they're in the vault, the stones are never out of the sun. No. Well, uh, that's not exactly true. I permitted three persons to retain them for a few hours for a private mistake. For central buyers. Yes. Of course, they all returned again. To me personally. And they were thoroughly trusted. To be sure that no imitations have been switched on? Exactly. I can assure you the real gems went back into the... Chandra, I want the names and a complete description of everyone who's stolen up with you. Hmm. This case of yours follows the same pattern as the other disappearances. 
In the absence of clues, I have to start with the men who were interested in those diamonds. And all right, Commander. If you come into the office, I'll give you all the information I can. In an expensive suite at the Terra Hotel, a dignified, distinguished-looking man sits under a bright light, examining a large diamond through a magnifying glass. His companion nervously toys with a smaller stone, then finally speaks. Let's put them away, Ken. Looking at them isn't going to make them any bigger. This one is truly magnificent, Ferris. What a shame to have to break it up. We'd better get off Terra. Chandray has probably discovered he's been robbed by now. Robbed? All we can be sure of is that his diamonds have vanished. There's nothing to implicate me or you. Now that we're leaving anyway, the jeweler in Jupiter City has some gems in which I'm interested. Ken? Yes, sir. Something on your mind? I was wondering, if this machine of ours, could we make just as much money by using it legitimately? You're not suggesting that our operation is illegal. I think it's illegal, isn't it? There's no law against using our equipment. Because no one but us knows it exists. So I borrow trouble. Now run along, Ferris. Get our machine aboard our spaceship. I want it ready for use when I reach Jupiter City. Back in Space Patrol headquarters, Buzz and Happy carefully go through all the data available on the strange disappearances of jewels. After hours of checking and cross-checking, the commander points to a ruled chart. Putting all the cases together, Hap, there are only two factors in town. Yes, sir. The disappearances have occurred with firms that have advertised an exhibition of a particularly valuable piece of jewelry, a famous collection. Uh-huh. And what's the other? Uh, I've been checking to see if any name occurs more than once among the lists of prospective buyers. Two of the names Sandra gave me appear twice. There's another dictation on Mercury and Mars. Uh, that means that some of these men have shown up at more than one jewelry store. Uh, that's to be expected. A wealthy collector might have a hobby of traveling around inspecting gems. Happy. Here's one name that appears in all the lists. James Kent. Kent has always asked to examine the gems privately. But he's always attended and adopted. In some cases, other persons handle the jewels after Kent gave them back to the jewelry. Well, maybe someone Kent trusts goes around with him and gets a line on the gems and steals them later. Yes, but that still leaves the mystery of how the gems disappear. Mm-hmm. But the only thing to do is have an agent follow Kent and see who hangs around him. There's one strange thing about Kent. Well, possibly it's either a faulty memory on part of the jewelry, but... No two descriptions quite match. Oh, but these jewelers must know him or they wouldn't let him take the stone. Kent has excellent credentials and appears to be quite wealthy. He's been staying at the Terra Hotel and checking out. He has reservations on a passenger ship to Jupiter City. Jupiter City? Hey, we're due there for an inspection. Mm-hmm. The actual cook must be a magician. All those jewelers insist the gems were locked in their vaults. I'm going to alert the biggest jewelry firms in Jupiter City to notify Space Patrol headquarters when they let out any really valuable articles on the I'm going to install a special detecting device in the vault. All right, Hap, let's clear up this routine so we can blast off the Jupiter. Twenty-four hours later, in one of the finest rooms of the Hotel Jupiter, James Kent and Ferris examine an array of jewels. Interesting assortment, Ferris. However, we'll settle for the emerald necklace. That can't, that doesn't make sense. It's going to take a long time to duplicate each one of those stones. The three big rubies are worth more. I can take them out in half an hour. Yes, but the emeralds are smaller. I can easily dispose of them separately without cutting them. The rupees would be a problem. Well, it's a shame to let them go. Let's take the emeralds, Ferris. Can you finish the job in two hours? Yes, good. You know, Ken, I wish we could perfect that thing so it would duplicate currency. 
then we wouldn't have to go through all this hocus pocus with the jewelry outfit. Currency is too complicated. The plant fiber that's the basis of the paper is organic material. Now, that means a complex molecular structure. Days coins came out later on. Not sure, but nobody ever got rich counterfeiting coins. No, right now, gems are our best bets. We transform energy into minerals and metals. With a real gem for a model, we can easily turn out exact duplicates atom by atom. It's too bad our imitations don't last. They last long enough for our purpose. Well, you better get going first. I want to get the counterfeit necklace and the real rubies back to the Imperial Jewelry Company before closing time. Late that night, Buzz and Happy are at the Jupiter City Space Patrol Headquarters, preparing a report on an inspection when a call comes from Special Agent Edwards, assigned to duty at the Imperial Jewelry Company. Rushing to the store, they're admitted by Edwards and walk to a dimly lit showroom to a huge vault. Edwards, you're sure no one beside yourself was in the building? No, Commander. I was hiding out in the back room with a portable receiver turned on. Somebody had lit up by the rest of the vault. <laughs> vault door is closed. Yes, sir. As far as I can tell, it hasn't been tampered. Well, then what made the receiver light up? Something must have happened inside the door. Detectives are sensitive enough to register any slight movement or change in temperature. Transmitted the signal to Edward's receiver. You could open the vault now, Edward. I cut off the master time clock control at headquarters after I got your call. It's swinging open. Edwards, do you have a list of the jewels that have been checked out of the store? Yes, sir. I got it from the manager when he closed up. Everything's been returned. I watched the manager when he put them in the vault to be sure I was all time. Let's check it over. All the stuff that anyone asked to inspect was all right there on that page after the order, sir. All right, Edwards, let's take inventory. Deep scar sapphire rings are here. Rubies, they're the most valuable items. Thank goodness they're here. Who had them out? James Kent. We also have a. A necklace? Oh. Should have noticed that right away. We had the necklace. Well, if the emerald necklace is gone, why not the rubies and those other jewels? How oh, do we know for sure that no one entered the vault? We really got a mystery in there. Could the emeralds have just disintegrated? Evidently, they did. The detective registered their disappearance. Oh, but why emeralds this time and diamonds another? And always the jewels that have been out on approval. James Kent is the only constant factor in the whole problem. I don't see how he could have any more to do with this than you do. Oh, how about that man that called on him at the Hotel Jupiter? Uh, this guy, Ferris. Uh, Ferris seems to work in a machine shop on Kepler Street. One of our agents placed him here. Well, I've got to start somewhere. Edward, you go to the Hotel Jupiter and get a line on James Kent. Yes, ma'am. Have you now drive over to Kepler Street and see if we can find Ferris. In the back part of a darkened machine shop on Kepler Street, Ferris worked swiftly under a dim light unbolting a small, compact machine from the concrete floor. He is intent upon his work as he hears the back door open. That you can. I'll be finished here in a minute. Then we... What's the idea? Working pretty late, aren't you, Ferris? Why, sure. Anything wrong with being industrious? That depends on what you're being industrious about. Isn't this an odd time to be removing machinery? Well, this is my machine, and I got a right to be in this shop. Any more questions? Yes. When you heard us come in, you thought it was someone named Kent. James Kent? Mm-hmm. No, no, Charlie Kent. One of the fellows in the shop. He promised to come back and give me a hand. Uh, by the way, what kind of a machine is that? What does it do? Yes, we'd like to know. Well, it's, it's a small electronic furnace, purified metal. 
You put the sample in this chamber here. Then you turn on the current, and the induction coil around the chamber produces an intense heat inside the metal. Which... Commander, look out! Pat, watch Ferris. I'll... Get this machine out of here before they recover from the ray gun blast. So what if they come out of it before we're finished? In that case, Ferris, well, this machine shop is a veritable treasure house of fatal accidents. We'll return to Space Patrol in just a moment. This is Dick Tufel reporting on America's most heavily armed fighter interceptor, the Northrop Air Force Scorpion F-89D. In a moment, we'll hear from the test pilot on this plane, Bob Long, Korean jet ace with a record of six MiGs in six weeks. Primary job of the Scorpion is to protect our country from invading aircraft. Speed more than 600 miles per hour. Weight 20 tons. Now, Bob Love, recorded at Edwards Air Force Base. You know, a fellow has to be in top condition to test fly a fast aircraft thick as a Scorpion. That's why I always make it a rule, sleep well and eat well. So, for breakfast, I pick a cereal like Rice Chex or Wheat Chex. They're chuck full of energy and really taste good. You'll like them. Make sure you stay in condition the way Bob Love, Phil Houghton, and other top test pilots do. Every morning, eat a good nourishing breakfast with Rice Chex or Wheat Chex. The cereals that are tops three ways. Tops for taste, for size, and for real get-up-and-go. That's Chex, Rice, or Wheat. Remember, they're tops with America's top pilots. And now back to our space patrol adventure, the counterfeit atoms. James Kent, posing as a legitimate collector of rare gems, has stolen millions of credits worth of jewels from reputable dealers without even revealing his method of operation. Borrowing real gems, he places them in a machine that can duplicate minerals atom by atom by transforming energy into a temporary form of matter. Kent and his accomplice, Ferris, keep the original gems and return the copies, which in a short time revert back to energy. Following a thin lead, Buzz and Happy apprehend Ferris in a machine shop in Jupiter City. But James Kent takes the space patrollers by surprise and renders them unconscious with a ray gun. Right now, as the effects of the ray gun wear off, Buzz and Happy get to their feet. Now well, they're gone, sir. And so is that machine. I had no Ferris again anywhere, but... Never got a good look at Kent. Neither did I. I was fine for a second as he left us, and his face was in a shadow. Hey, Commander, that machine must tie in with the jewel set. But how? I don't know. Maybe Kent treats the gems with something when he borrows them, and then later he turns on that machine, and radiations make the stones disappear. Well, the question is, do the gems reappear inside the machine? Sounds fantastic, but... Well, unless Kent and Ferris actually got the jewels, there wouldn't be any point in them making them disappear from the vaults. Well, there's at least one more possibility. But we'll go into that later. Let's get back to headquarters and send out an alert on Ferris and Kent. The two jewel thieves are now in a private cruiser, outward bound from Jupiter, in a vector calculated to avoid a regular space lane. That experience in the machine shop ought to convince you, Kent. The space patrol and the gem dealers are wise to us. Not necessarily. I still say the jewelry racket is finished. Let's take a shot at duplicating currency. Maybe it'll pass. If you like the job of putting it in circulation, that it might vanish into thin air when you hand it to a sucker? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Say, I've got it. Here's a gimmick that'll keep us inside the law. We'll duplicate ray guns, blast guns, and other weapons. 
They're metal. And they'll be a thief to turn out by the hundreds. Yes, but they won't be permanent. Besides, we've been making and selling weapons without a license. How does that keep us inside the law? Suppose we sell a cook a blaster and a handshake. Is our customer going to complain to the space patrol? Harris, you think something. We'll have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Except Corey. If we only got rid of him, then we have a chance back at the machine shop. Are you crazy? Right now, we'd be known murderers instead of suspected jewel thieves. Oh, but don't worry. I'll think of a way to get rid of Corey so no one can trace us. Trace? I've got Well, suppose we take a few grains of poison with the mineral base and duplicate it in our machine. We slip it to Corey. It does its work, and then it vanishes. The best doctor in the solar system couldn't find a trace of it. Yeah. Perfect crime. Uh, there's just one drawback. How do we give it to Corey? Just leave that to me. I'll attend to it personally after we get to Saturn. Now to figure out our new identity. As Buzz and Happy prepare to leave Jupiter, a strange spacegram message arrives at Jupiter City headquarters, addressed to the commander. Buzz reads it, and then hands it to Happy. Hmm. Well, do you think this is on the level, sir? Well, the situation being what it is, we have to investigate every lead. Huh? Oh, but who is this Arnold Block? Oh, he calls himself an amateur lapidary. What's that? A lapidary is a man who cuts and polishes precious stones. And he says he can give you information about these mysterious disappearances. Yeah. See here, he says, My connections with gem dealers and collectors and all the planets sometimes brings me in touch with sordid matters that usually are best to ignore. Mm-hmm. But when the very livelihood of honest craftsmen is endangered by organized thieves, I must speak out, even at personal risk. And Father Arnie says he's staying at the Hotel Polaris in Saturn City, and will give me the details if I need him to laugh. Saturn? It's a long way to go for a bite to eat. We'll do on that thing for the next inspection. So it won't be much out of the way to stop at Saturn for a couple of hours. We'll see what Arnold Block knows about this. But just as a precaution happened, we reach Saturn, I want you to put on civilian clothes. While I'm with Block, you sit at another table and keep an eye on things. Hours later, in the large dining room of the Hotel Polaris in Jupiter City, Commander Corey sits at a secluded table with Arnold Block. Anyone who had known James Kent might notice a faint resemblance. But on second glance, he would observe the greater differences in manner, color of hair, and general appearance. As the commander and Block converse over their meal, the dead happy, in civilian clothes, watches unobtrusively from the table across the room. Mr. Block, you say the next job is General Police on the Apex Bureau Company in Venus City. Now, how do you know that you've been committed? I didn't mean to say the next job. I'm sorry. I should have said it's one of their intended operations. You know who these men are? Could you identify them? Well, that would be rather difficult. You see, I was examining some marginal... Oh, Commander, isn't that the governor's Saturn just getting up to my table over there? Hmm? There's some people in the way just now. Oh, no. Oh, much bigger now. But uh, to get back to our subject, Mr. Block. Oh, my. I just noticed the time. Will you excuse me a moment? I have to make a space of one call. Important business. I just can't put it out. It cost a lot of him. It will only take a minute. Oh, 
all traces of time disappeared. A few moments later, Arnold Block returns to the table and Buzz resumes the questioning. The luncheon over, the commander meets Happy in the street outside the hotel. Block made a call all right, sir. But I couldn't face it. He was in a pay booth and the others were all occupied. I was afraid that might happen. Don't worry. I'll have the coins removed and examined for Block's fingerprints. We'll also know the distance of the coin. Commander Corey checks through a stack of identification cards as Happy enters. Well, I guess I must have been imagining things, Commander. What's the report from the lab? Negative. There was absolutely nothing in that note, mm. uh, except milk. But still, from where I said it, it looked like Arnold Block deliberately got you to look the other way and dropped something in your glass. Well, I guess he was just reaching for the sugar or something. Possibly. Oh, about the phone call. Anything on that one? Yes, sir. In a way, it turned out to be simpler than I expected. The space phone service man had just collected from the coin boxes an hour before, so there weren't very many coins to check. But there were no coins with Arnold Block's fingerprints. Hmm. He didn't make a call after him. So what was he doing in the booth? Arnold Block made a call. To Draco City. Space phone sent his automatic reporter to it. It was the only call of that kind made from that particular space phone during the period in Bar. Who was the call to? To find out? Uh-huh. A perfectly legitimate call to the Draco Tool Company. They make gem cutting instruments. Doing some special work for a Mr. Arnold Block. Hmm. And Block must be on the level. Hey, wait. How, how did he make that call without dropping a coin in the slot? He did drop it. Just in the register, the half cut coin. That mechanism was proof. Well, yes, sir. But didn't you say there, there wasn't any half cut coin in the machine? Nothing with Block's fingerprints? That's right. I don't get it. I think maybe it'll all clear up when we talk to Mr. Block. I've got an agent watching him. Now, have help me check through these records. Almost at the edge of the Saturn City spaceport is a metal fence bearing the sign Saturn Salvage Company. At the rear of the lot, scattered with heaps of rusting metal, is a small shed. Inside the structure, Ferris regulates the controls of a machine, while a man in an ill-fitting suit looks on. It's working fine. I've turned out three dozen since this morning. I'd better knock off for a while, Ferris. Just one more, Kent. Don't call me Kent, even when we're alone. Someday you'll make a slip in public. Sorry, Glock. Well, I guess this one is cooking up. You know, it's hard remembering who you are. Before Kent, it was Drake, and now it's Block. Well, you shouldn't have any trouble. As Block, I don't look anything like Kent, do I? No, you don't. It's amazing what scissors, a hair dye job, and a sloppy suit will do for a man. It's not just in the appearance, Ferris. It's here, in the mind. I think there's a different personality. I walk differently, move differently. You know? Well, see if you can tell these apart. Two blast guns. One's the real thing, and the other one's a duplicate. Oh. You're the same. Way the same. They look the same. Which is the difference? The one in your left hand. And it's fired just like a real one, too. 
After the second, it becomes a ghost and vanishes. I couldn't hear the others. Before we try to unload any of these weapons, we've got to know just how long they'll exist as matter. That's what I'm doing now. See those figures on the bench where the guns are? When I pull one of them out of the duplicator, I mark down the time. Uh, we'll set up a real system when we get to Neptune. We'll get a bunch of orders, then unload fast and disappear before our product does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, have you heard anything about Corey? No. He looks fine during lunch. <laughs> you know, those space patrol medics will have a real embarrassing mystery on their hands. What happened to Commander Corey? And it's talking. As I was saying, the Jupiter Giants don't have a chance against the Pluto Demon. Not with Edlinger pitching. And All right, both of you, get your hands up. Hold it, Ferris. You heard the commander. Wait, my table, Kent. Let's see those hands in the air. Are you sure you have the right man? Can't block whatever it is. Now move out here and move fast. This is a blaster, Corey. Now drop that rake. Don't be a fool, Kent. You're through. Yeah? You've got a ray gun. I've got a blaster. If you fire, so will I. We'll both drop. But I'll be able to get up again. He's right, Commander. The cadet's got sense. Now toss those ray guns down and Ferris and I'll be on our way. You're not going anywhere, Commander. Corey, I haven't got time to play games. This is your last chance. I'm going to squeeze the trigger and blast you. Commander, his gun vanished. That's what I was waiting for. Keep out of it, Ferris. All right, Kent. You want some more or do you want to quit while you're losing? Now get up. Cap, I'll watch you. Scoop up those blasters. It's your fault, Ferris. If I'd had a real gun instead of one of those duplicates, what do you mean my fault? You were the one All who... right, cut it out, both of you. Okay, Corey. Where did I slip up? Was it the disguise is blocked? No. No, I never had a good look at you. Thanks, you got fired. And it was the poison in the milk. You saw me drop it in. No, and it wasn't your gun speeding that finally attracted you. Know. The thing that made me link block and tent was a simple, everyday space phone call to Draco City. What are you talking about? I made that as block. Yeah. But for a big-time crook, you're pretty cheap. You use the disappearing half-treaded coin. When you gypped the company on that space phone call, we, uh, got your number. Ah, 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 ah. An exciting action preview of next week's exciting Space Patrol adventure in just a moment. Space Patrollers, you all know what sound effects are. You hear them all the time on your radios. But listen to these musical sound effects and see if you can guess what we're doing with Rice Checks and Wheat Checks. Yep, Space Patrollers, that's a big bowl filling up with Rice Checks or Wheat Checks. Man, oh man, it even sounds delicious. It tastes better yet. Those triple oven toasted biscuits are tops for taste. Now we're pouring on the cream. Listen. You can almost hear those crisp, crunchy checks filling up with that cream. And then for the first bite. Wow, what a bite. Size just right. Because checks are made of that modern bite-sized design. Makes them tops for size. Hey, that's you blasting off for a big day of action. After a good nourishing breakfast with checks, the cereal's tops for get up and go. So gang, go get rice checks today. Get wheat checks too. The official bite-sized cereals of the Space Patrol. In the red and white checkerboard package, with a picture of Commander Corey or Cadet Happy on the outside. Rice checks, wheat checks. And now, a preview of next week's exciting Space Patrol adventure. 
Buzz and Happy are walking through a warehouse of the Terra spaceport where two suspected criminals are standing by the controls of a loading crane. Well, that's Vanker, all right, Commander. Yes, I'm going to just how much of that cargo up there on the crane is stolen. There's probably plenty of it. Uh-oh, he sees us. Now, just a minute, Vanker. Please get holding brake and drop the load on there. Look out, Hap. Move! Be sure to join us next week for the thrilling story, Formula for Crime, when Rice Checks and Wheat Checks again present Space Patrol. Space Patrol, created by Mike Moser, starring Ed Kemmerer as Commander Corey, and then Osborne as Cadet Happy, was written by Lou Houston. Produced and directed by Larry Robertson. Executive producer, Helen Moser. Other players were Baylor Kovach, Norman Jelly, Ken Mayer, and Stephen Robertson. Dick Tufel speaking. Now, don't forget to tune in next Saturday and every Saturday when Rice Checks and Wheat Checks present exciting action on Space Patrol! program is broadcast for armed forces overseas through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Space Patrol came to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network.